Can we give the Lord a great hand clap of praise? He's worthy. He's worthy of everything we can give him. Would you do that, church family? He's worthy, Lord. We love you. We thank you. Father, you're gracious and kind. You're lovely. You're pure. You're holy. You're wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated for a moment. What a tremendous honor it is to be here with you. Thank you so much for the invitation, the opportunity to be here. Uh, I grew up in Anderson, Indiana, and when I tell you I have heard of this church my entire life, I, uh, that's, that's not an exaggeration. I, from a little boy, uh, my bishop, Bishop R.B. Bingham, Pastor St. Clair would get up and they would talk about Bishop Dre, Frank Wilson, the church and Potts Camp. And, uh, it's such an honor to be here. I felt such peace for this weekend. And then Pastor Vasquez extended an invitation and my stomach turned a hundred different ways. And uh, just because I know the legacy that's here and I'm very, very thankful and honored to be here. At 13 years of age, I was praying in the altar in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I don't think he preached. Um, I don't remember who preached, to be honest, but I was praying in the altar, and I asked God uh, if he had a work for me, what he wanted me to do, what he wanted with my life, and just shortly after, if not right after, Bishop Wilson come walking by and laid hands on me and said, God's got a work for you, son. And uh, I thank the Lord for confirmation. I thank the Lord for men spending time praying for young people, give honor to your pastor. He's preached so many amazing messages through the years at conferences, and I was telling, I think it was Brother Austin, I was telling, you know, at some point you think when somebody gets up and preaches, like, they're not going to keep doing good, you know, it's at some point you're going to watch the decline and think there was a time, but I have not yet seen that in Pastor Vasquez. Every time he gets up, he just, he just preaches preaches. So thankful for him. Give honor to Brother Austin Hughes. Give honor to all your ministry and your family. So I'm going to Genesis chapter 38. Thank you for letting me be here. My wife and my three boys were honored to be here. Uh, a couple months back, I went to a conference. It was just uh, about two hours and 15 minutes from my home. I wasn't preaching. I was just attending. It was two nights. Uh, one night I took Knox with me. One night I took Zion with me. Slipped in the back and sat through church and uh, me and Knox slipped out after church and ran down to Texas Roadhouse, and we were sitting there eating, and I said, Bubby, what'd you, did you have a good time at church? He said, oh, yeah. I said, did you, did you like it? He said, yeah. He said, but the preaching, that was boring. And uh, I said, okay. I said, okay. I said, what do you think about Dad's preaching? He goes, it's all boring, Dad. So, I don't know, you may share an opinion just like that with him when this is over. But as soon as he said that, the next thing out of his mouth was, Dad, can God fit this whole baked potato in his mouth without choking? I said, yes, God can, God can do that. So, so I'm very thankful, very thankful to be here with you. Genesis chapter 38, it's good to see Bishop Mike Wilson over there. We love and appreciate him, his family so very much. Genesis chapter 38, one passage of scripture, verse 26. And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. For just a few moments tonight, church family, I want to preach to you when praise falls short. God bless you. You may be seated. 
When I mention the name Judah, I'm sure that many of you immediately think on praise, for we know that Judah means praise. It represents praise. Praise is something that we are good at, as you've seen that tonight. Praise is something that we know. We know about praise because we've been praising for a long time. You know, there was a time that the world made fun of us when we would dance and when we would shout and we would run and when we would roll on the floor. Matter of fact, they would show up just to sit on the back road just to watch us. People called us crazy. They said it was unnecessary, that it was uncalled for. Uh, but we've been doing it a long time because we love to do it. It's something that we plan to do. David said, my praise waiteth for thee. So there are things in our life that we plan for, and praise is something that you and I plan for. When we put our suit on tonight and put our shoes on and our jeans on, and we come walking through that back door, we knew at some point tonight we were going to offer something to God that we had not yet offered to anybody else, that we had not given. We didn't give it to our favorite football team, and we didn't give it to our favorite basketball team. We didn't give it to our favorite show. There was nothing else that we gave it to. We said, Father, I've been waiting to give this to you. And as you danced in this altar tonight, and as you cried in this altar, and as you raised your hands, you begin to offer things to God that you had not offered to anybody else. There was a praise within you that you had been preserving to give just to Him. This is something that flows out of us rather easily. Growing up as a young man, Bishop Bingham would step to the pulpit and he would say, give the Lord a 47 psalm. And the church would begin to clap and shout because Psalms 47 and 1 says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's easy for us to do because we preserve some praise for him. We enjoy offering that to him. Our praise is justified according to scripture for in Psalms 104 enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 717 I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high for we know that our praise is an invitation to him for Psalms 22 and 3 but thou art holy oh that thou inhabitest the praises of Israel when we gather together and lift our voice we're not just going through the motions but we're telling God above all we need you to be in this house right now that's why we clap and that's why we raise our hands and that's why we dance and shout because it's an invitation not for anybody else in this room who cares if anybody else does it it's an invitation that the God Almighty would step down into our situation because he inhabits the praises of his people when are we comfortable praising God I've heard somebody say you need to step out of your comfort zone and do something for God. But I would petition that our comfort zone is in praise. I don't feel uncomfortable when I step out and begin to dance and shout. As a matter of fact, I feel that's exactly where I belong, offering praise to God. If you're uncomfortable tonight, I would petition that you need to shout a little bit, that you need to run a little bit, that you need to wave your hands a little bit, because that's exactly where you belong. All things were created by him and for him. You were created to praise. We praise at all times. 
It doesn't matter where we are. Therefore, I'll give thanks unto thee according to Psalms 1849. O Lord, among the heathen and sing praises unto thy name. Among the heathen we can sing praises. Psalms 22 and 22. I will declare the name, thy name, unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. It doesn't matter if it's here or if it's out there. We've got a praise to God we can offer at any time. For Psalms 34 and 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I thank God that we get together and do what we do on Sunday night. But I don't need Sunday night to do what we do. I can do that anytime. I can lift my voice anytime. I can dance anytime. I can run and shout anytime. I can offer God praise at any time. Psalms 50 and 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. We now, though, live in a world that's finally caught up. They don't make fun of us for praising like we praise. As a matter of fact, there are mega churches all over this world that encourage people in their church to behave just like we behave. We've been doing this for a long time. We've been doing this for decades and decades and decades. Because you don't know like I know what he's done for me. And you don't know where I was when he found me. And you don't know where I was going when he turned me around and established my goings and placed my feet upon the rock. That's why we shout like we shout. That's why we dance like we dance. But now there are churches all across this country, refined churches if you would, that they are encouraging their people to behave like we do. Like they want them to give them feedback when they're preaching. And they want them to jump and shout a little bit. And they want them to run a little bit. It seems like the rest of the world is finally catching up with our style of praise. We've led the way. We've done it so long, but they're not making fun anymore. Now they see a power and they see an authority in it. Now they see a purpose and a reason. They pick up their word of God and they can find it in the word of God. This isn't something you and I came up with the past hundred years. This is in the word of God. The way we behave and the way we act and the way we respond in the presence of God. So now they're following. They're wanting wanting to. But there's something different about when we do it. Because praise all by itself is simply not enough. If you just have praise, praise is going to fall short. There's a story in Genesis chapter 38. It's a very peculiar story. It's a crazy story, if you would. I want to read two passages of Scripture to you and encourage you to go read it sometime. Genesis chapter 38 and verse 6. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Judah means praise. And Judah had a son by the name of Ur. He found a woman for him. Judah goes and finds Ur, a wife. But Ur was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And because he was wicked, God took him out of the equation. At that time, there was a custom. At that time, Ur's brother was supposed to step up and provide for Tamar. His name was Onan. Onan was supposed to step up and provide for Tamar. He was supposed to take care of her. She was a part of the family now. She would always be a part of the family. When you continue to read this story, you find out that Onan was wicked in the Lord's sight as well. So the Lord takes Onan out. Judah, praise, has two sons that die from judgment of God. 
There's a third son named Sheila, but Sheila's not quite of age yet. Sheila's a little young still. The custom and the responsibility of that time would be for Sheila to take Tamar into his household and provide for her. But him not being of age yet, Judah looks at Tamar and says, I want you to go home for a while. And when Sheila grows up, when Sheila becomes of age, when Sheila is responsible, when he can take care of a wife, I'm going to sin for you and you're going to come back and you're going to be a part of my family again. So Tamar goes home and she begins the process of waiting. And she waits and she waits and she waits and she waits. Now Judah gets all kinds of praise and accolades as he should. I think he was a great guy. But we find in this story, Judah begins to do some tricky things. Judah begins to walk in deception. The Bible says it came time when Sheila was now of age that they could call for Tamar. But Judah, he had no desire to call for Tamar. He had no desire for Sheila to marry Tamar. So the Bible says Judah withholds Sheila. He's not going to call for Tamar. Here Tamar is sitting on the sidelines waiting for a husband to come and provide. Waiting for a household that she can belong to. Waiting for a family that she could slip into. And lo and behold, she waits and she waits and she waits and she waits and this is at Judah's hand. This is Judah's doing. This is Judah's responsibility. One day Tamar gets a little clue. She gets a little hint. I don't think this is going to unfold the way that I think it should unfold I don't think it's going to happen like I need it to happen so the scripture says that Tamar gets word that Judah's traveling and she dresses as a harlot one day and sets herself on the roadside knowing that she's going to encounter Judah and sure enough according to Genesis 38 Judah comes walking along there's a conversation that ensues there's a relationship that takes place. There's a moment of intimacy that happens. And they part their ways, go their separate ways. They go their separate ways. Judah, the scripture says, never knew it was Tamar, his daughter-in-law. Judah never knew it was Tamar, the woman that had been waiting on Sheila, the woman that had been faithful, sitting on the sidelines, just waiting for her opportunity, waiting for her moment to step in and shine, waiting for the chance for that family to open their arms and accept her. The Bible tells us that Tamar, excuse me, Hebrew tells us Tamar, her name means the palm tree. Scripture says in Psalms 92 and 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar. First Kings chapter 6 and Ezekiel chapter 41 tells us in the house of God, on the walls, they carved palm trees into the walls. They would carve palm trees and then angels and then palm trees and then angels and then palm trees and then angels all around the house of God in John chapter 12 on the next day in verse 12 on the next day much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches
branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. In the word of God, palm tree is a representation of righteousness. It's doing the right thing. That's why there was angelic host and there was righteousness and there was angelic host and there was righteousness. And when he come riding into that town, they waved his righteousness before him. Can I tell you what righteousness means? It's profound. Righteousness simply means doing the right thing. But not what I think the right thing is. Because my righteousness is as filthy rags. We got to follow his righteousness. When you begin to pick up this word and you begin to read through this word, it's going to begin to cut things off of you. And it's going to be able to add things into you. And you're going to realize there are situations and there are circumstances that I've thought wrong about this whole time. And I need to apply them to the word of God. And I need to follow them after the word of God. There's something about righteousness. Because Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Paul told the church of Rome in Romans 6. 16 and 18, being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. Psalms 33 says, God loveth righteousness. I know God loves praise, and I know he inhabits the praises of his people, but I'm telling you, God has got a love affair with righteousness too. He loves when his people do the right thing. He loves when his children walk in righteousness. We see this over and over and over in Scripture. Proverbs 16 and 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Psalms 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. David said, the Lord rewards me according to my righteousness. Psalms 14 and 5 says, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Matthew 5 and 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. James 5 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Psalms 37 and 25. I have been young and now I'm old yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Proverbs 14 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation. I'm telling you what I love praising with the best of them but righteousness exalteth a nation. If you want to turn your home up Upside down, just start doing the right thing. If you want to turn your world upside down, just start doing the right thing. God loves righteousness. Something happened in Tamar's encounter with Judah. Something happened. Judah goes back home. He gets word. Tamar's pregnant. This is his opportunity. He calls for her. This is my chance. Sheila, I've been waiting for a moment to get you out of this. I just found it. Here it is. 
I've been waiting for a chance. I, I've been saving you from Tamar. I didn't want to happen to you what happened to Ur and Onan. That wasn't Tamar's fault, what happened to Ur and Onan. That was Ur and Onan's fault. But he said, Sheila, I've kept you. I've saved you. Watch this. Get ready, son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you out of this situation. Tamar steps up before everybody. And Judah, Judah means a praise. This mighty man of God that everybody loves and everybody has influenced him, that we've loved for a long time, that the rest of the world has jumped on the bandwagon with Judah steps up and he begins to give this woman he begins to give her the fifth degree he begins to talk down to her Tamar you were supposed to go home and wait for my family Tamar you're bringing a reproach upon my son I've been preserving my son for you and you've been out there living a life running around doing whatever you want to do this is totally unacceptable here he is propping himself up and diminishing Tamar in front of a group of people there's an audience here. You know what they're getting ready to do? They're getting ready to stone Tamar. Judah's fixing to get her out of the equation forever. So he thinks. And he says, Tamar, what were you thinking? What have you been doing? Tell me a little. What do you have to say for yourself? At that, tame, at that moment, Tamar steps up. And she says, you know what? I am with child. What you heard is true. But I want to tell you who I'm with child with. I want to tell you who the father is at that moment moment she began to pull things out that belonged to Judah that she received on that day of their encounter and as she began to pull that stuff out and say the baby that I hold the father is the man that belongs to these things right here I can just see the crowd that day just shock and awe are you kidding me isn't that belong to Judah haven't you seen Judah wear that before haven't you seen Judah write with that before are you kidding me right now she stopped him right in her tracks she presented those things out she laid him before and Judah didn't say anything but she hath been more righteous than I on that day when she walked away Tamar ended up giving birth to children she had twins in her womb and one of the sons name was Pharez can I tell you what Pharez means if you look it up for yourself Pharez means a breach or a breakthrough when praise became intimate with righteousness they produced a breakthrough when praise became intimate with doing the right thing. It wasn't just formal praise coming and shouting and walking out that back door and living any way you wanted to live. But it was praising and walking out there and doing the right thing. When praise and righteousness come together, it will give you a breakthrough like you've never had before. I've worked with young people before. I've worked with young people before. I've seen them weep, and I've seen them cry, and I've seen them waller on the floor. I've seen them run and dance and shout, and I've been in those services. And I thought, surely this is the service. They're going to get a breakthrough tonight. They're, they, look at them right now. They've got God all over them, and I believe they had God all over them. And every single time, they would walk out there, and they would be captive to the same things they were when they walked back in here. You want to know why? Because they wouldn't get rid of the lifestyle out there. I'm telling you you think you're just going to dance your way out of some things you've got to dance and then you've got to go out there and you've got to live the right way you've got to do what's right if you think you can just walk in and dance your way to victory that's not how it works you've got to live a righteous lifestyle you've got to wake up every morning and say I'm going to do the right thing I'm going to love righteousness I'm going to live for righteousness
the walls of Jericho. They fell because of a shout. Not quite. They fell on the seventh day after they shouted. You know what they were told to do? They were told to march for six days and keep their mouth shut. That's what they were told to do. March and keep your mouth shut because some of you are fixing to talk your way out of the greatest miracle that you've ever seen. Sometimes you've just got to do what you're told and not say anything about it. One day I was sitting in my bishop's living room. I'd gotten in some trouble. My bishop, Bishop Bingham, was very blunt. He was very straightforward. He said, Simon, you're guilty. Don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut and let your friends fight for you. You know what I did? I kept my mouth shut and I did exactly what my man of God told me to do they got out there and they started marching and they started walking for six days they marched they didn't say anything they didn't shout they didn't dance they didn't clap they didn't rejoice they were doing what they were told to do they were submitting to the man of God they were walking in righteousness and guess what they had to walk for six days in righteousness for six days if I could walk out that door and Monday through Saturday do the right thing every single day I ain't gonna look at that I ain't gonna touch that I ain't gonna mess with that I ain't gonna talk like that I ain't gonna listen to that I ain't gonna wear that I ain't gonna go there if you could do the right thing for six days and walk through that back door and begin to give God a little bit of praise something happens when praise and righteousness become intimate it's righteousness it's righteousness. Abraham gets word that Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be destroyed. And he does not intercede on behalf of the praisers. He intercedes on behalf of the righteous. God, are you going to destroy the righteous with them? Father, if there be 50 righteous, would you turn aside for 50 righteous? He didn't turn aside for 50 dancers. He didn't turn aside for 50 shouters. He said, if you can find 50 righteous, I will save that entire city. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things we can do for our city is live a righteous life, not a prideful life, and not an arrogant life, and not a rude life. If we could just live what the Word of God tells us to live, because righteousness gets the attention of the most high but what if you can't find 50 what about 45 or what about 40 or what about 30 or what about 25 or what about 20 or what about 10 he was willing to stop judgment for 10 righteous for 10 righteous it wasn't 10 people that danced and shouted and ran like crazy. It was 10 righteous. If it was based on praise alone, our elders would be at a big disadvantage. And I say that very respectfully. I say that very respectfully because their body does not let them do what they want to do. There's some of him in here that would run circles around this place if they could run circles around this place. They've done it before. You're right. They would shout and they would dance. And they wish they could go back in time and do that again. And they just weep and raise their hands. And they offer God the best praise that they can offer. But you know what they do on top of that? They live a righteous, godly life. That's what they do. Young person, it doesn't matter if you can run laps all night long. 
if you can't put righteousness with that and that's why our elder simply raising their hands and lifting their voice and a life they live that's why they have more breakthrough in one night than we do all year long it's because we're enamored with praise we want praise give me the music give me the drums give me the keyboard give me my favorite song but I'm telling you praise within itself is not enough you've got to live righteous Second Peter chapter 2 verse 5 and spare not the old world but save Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness Noah saved his family because he did the right thing because he preached the right thing righteousness was what saved Noah and his family I read to you earlier righteousness exalteth a nation I know that you don't get the size that you are without there being some righteous people in this place I know there are families that do the right thing you go to bed with righteousness on your mind and you wake up the next day with righteousness on your mind and you teach your babies righteousness and you put it deep within them not what you think is right but what the word of God tells us is right and I'm telling you that's the recipe that's the ingredient that's why revival is happening right here because there are individuals that are not afraid to praise but they'll allow praise to become intimate with righteousness and when praise and righteousness come together Proverbs 10 2 but righteousness delivereth from death the next verse the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish Verse 11, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Verse 16, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. Three verses later, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. The next verse, but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Three verses later, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness. Two verses later, the righteous shall never be removed. Two verses later, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. It's righteousness. It's righteousness. If you could stand here and dance and shout, and then if you're struggling with an addiction, you need an accountability partner. You need to run to your man of God. You need to run to your pastor. Why? Because that's the right thing to do. And once you praise and shout, and once you allow righteousness to run through you, and you run to your man, well, I can break this on my own. If I just dance a little bit harder, if I just shout a little bit harder, if I just cry a little bit longer, I'm telling you, you can't do it by yourself. Praise is not going to be enough. There's a world out there that praises, and they walk in the same way they walk out. You know what makes us different? It's because we fall in love with the Word of God and we run to an altar and repent and we allow righteousness to begin to work in us. We allow righteousness to begin to flow through. It's righteousness. Ruth, chapter four, there was a blessing spoken upon house of Boaz and Ruth, a blessing spoken over them. And Ruth, chapter four and verse 12, and let thy house be like the house of Pharaohs, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. There was a reputation 
that Pharaoh's had in that day. Everybody knew. Everybody knew Judah's hiccup. Everybody knew Judah's mistake. They knew his encounter with Tamar. And they knew it so well that they were blessing individuals with a blessing of the house of Pharaoh. They were not saying the blessing of the house of Judah because Judah means praise. And they were not saying the blessing of the house of Tamar because Tamar means righteousness. They were saying bless the house as of the house of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the result of praise and righteousness coming together together. As I preach to you right now you know some things that you need to give up. And you know some things that you're doing that you need to let go. And you know some things that you ain't doing that you need to start doing. You know the halls of your heart and you know what goes through your mind. And I'm telling you if you'd reach out and grab that righteousness tonight, there would be a blessing as the house of fairies on your life. There's a breakthrough waiting for you. There's a breakthrough waiting for your marriage. And it's waiting for your children. And it's waiting for for your babies and it's waiting for your household but you've got to allow praise and righteousness to come together would you give the Lord a great hand clap of praise I'm almost done right now if music would come listen to this Matthew chapter 1 the book, The Generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judas and his brethren. And Judas, or Judah, begot Pharis of Tamar. He almost missed out on being in the genealogy of Christ. I could praise with the best of them. I can run and dance and shout. I can throw down. And I think that's needed. I'm not preaching against that at all. That is 100% needed. We need to do exactly that. But you know what we also need to do? Is we need to fall in love with righteousness. Pick up your word of God and read your word. Submit to your man of God. Be obedient to the church. Be obedient to your elders. When you allow righteousness to begin to flow through you, I don't just want it. I want to love it. If you could love righteousness, because praise doesn't always produce righteousness, but righteousness will always produce praise. If you could fall in love with just doing the right thing, you can stand in the presence of God and lift those hands and you can experience something that you have not experienced before. Stop trying to dance your chains off and stop trying to shout them off but make up your mind I'm going to do the right thing and then come and dance them off and then come and shout them off. Make up your mind I'm going to let go of some stuff. I'm going to release some stuff. I'm going to add some things to me. I'm telling you it's righteousness that sets us apart. It's righteousness that distinguishes us. It's righteousness what they feel when they walk into this house. That presence is because of righteousness. Would you stand in this place? Would you lift your hands right now? Would you lift your voice right now? Come on, righteousness. Let the Lord flow through you right now. Come on, righteousness. Let God work in you right now. Come on, righteousness. 
What would happen if some young people would say, I'm going to do the right thing this week? What would happen if some men would lead their families in righteousness? What would happen if some moms would fall in love with righteousness? I'm telling you, righteousness is the ingredient you need in your life. You need righteousness. You've got to have righteousness. Fall in love with righteousness. Would you lift your voice? Come on, church family, lift your voice. Let the Lord walk in here. Let the Lord walk through you. Let the Lord speak to you. Come on, husbands, lead your family in a love for righteousness. Come on, mama, show your kids a love for righteousness. Come on, elders, lead this church in righteousness. It's righteousness that sets us apart. It's righteousness that exalts a nation. It's righteousness that turns our family around. We gotta love righteousness. Would you lift your voice? Lift your voice.
Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for the word that we've had in this house tonight. If you're praying, good, continue to pray. And if there's anything that you have need of in this place, I pray that you would continue to seek after it tonight. Just a couple quick announcements. Let's not forget our 4th of July get-together. And then also let's not forget family prayer and service Wednesday at 7.15. But let's continue to pray all across this place if you're seeking for something. And if you're not seeking for anything, I pray that you would be dismissed. And I pray God would have his way. Travels home tonight. I pray God will bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.